Hello, this is Anne, the Multimedia Director of Kearney First United Methodist Church, and you're listening to our Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this sermon. Thank you for turning in. Let us pray. God, you speak to us as we read scripture. Send your Holy Spirit to open our ears, hearts, and minds so that we may hear your message for us today. Amen. The gospel reading today is from the book of Luke. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the word of the Lord. Libby, I I did want to make a a few little things. One is that uh, we have our engagement sheets and they have ways that we can uh, take what we're hearing and uh, invite God to continue working in it throughout our day and our week. And so that has some practices in it, which we'll refer ever so, refer ever so briefly to later in the sermon. But here are a couple extra scriptures if you wanted to have some extra scriptures just to read and reflect on throughout the week. One is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 to 24. The second is Luke 17, 11 through 19. And the third is Colossians 2, 6 through 7. Now, it's not so much that you have extra homework, uh, but these are not ones that I'll refer to uh, in any way, shape, or form uh, within this sermon, uh, but just things that I was inspired by as I, was, uh, as I was preparing. So I wanted to share that with you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe in me and breathe in us that as we ponder together the mystery of Jesus' meal with his disciples and that which he shows us that we may experience him at work in us. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, author Anne Voskamp uh, showed an arresting sort of vulnerability in her book, A Thousand Gifts, or One Thousand Gifts. Uh, as I've read it and reread parts of it, it, it just stuns me and stops me in my tracks, the way that she shares about her life and her faith uh, with such openness and with her struggles. Because she writes uh, that much of her life uh, has been touched in some way by grief and griefs of different sorts. And she has lived for a long part of her life really feeling like she's not enough, like it's not enough, like she's somehow not right. 
And I was really moved by how she said it toward the beginning of this book. Though I can hardly whisper it, I live as though God stole what I consider rightly mine. Happiest children, marriage of unending bliss, long, content, death-defying days. I look in the mirror, and if I'm fearlessly blunt, what I have, who I am, where I am, how I am, what I've got, this simply isn't enough. Daily I live the doubt, look at my reflection and ask, does God really love me? If he truly, deeply loves me, why does he withhold that which I believe will fully nourish me? Why do I live in this sense of rejection, of less than, of pain? Does he not want me to be happy? Our fall was, has always been, and always will be that we aren't satisfied in God and what he gives, and we hunger for something more, something other. So perhaps our stories are different than Ann Voskamp's, and yet there are ways in which we may relate to this longing and hunger for something more, for something different, and the fact that we don't have it and aren't it makes us question, does God really love me? Maybe we also ask, do I really love God? And then we may also wonder, well, does God want me to be happy or not? And this is different for different folks at different ages and stages in their lives. And so uh, perhaps with teenagers, part of this longing is this sense of feeling unsettled and uh, constrained in which uh, we just long to be free of all of the adults telling us what to do. And we think, gosh, all this restriction and all these other voices, how does God work in the midst of that? And in middle age, we experience that differently. Sometimes it's just a matter of, I feel pulled and stretched so thin. But I thought I was made for more. And that I didn't think fullness was supposed to hurt so much. As we get toward the other ends of our life, in which the Bible would say that we are full of years, uh, we might find that this yearning turns toward grief and maybe also resentment and doubt. We look around and recognize that those our age or nearly so or younger than us have, have died or are in poor health and we think, well, I want more time. Or we might uh, start to reflect and say, have I been faithful with this time that I've been given? And we start to doubt and question and uh, worry. Have I been a good parent or grandparent or partner or person? 
And in these times and doubts, uh, the questions are still at root a little similar. Do we find that God has been insufficient in giving us that which we believe will make us feel full and whole? And I wonder about the disciples. If Luke had uh, done interviews in a reality TV kind of way with these disciples, would they have shared some similar sorts of fears and longings? They had, after all, walked with Jesus for up to these three years. They'd committed their lives to him. He was their rabbi. They were his apprentices, and their goal was to live like he lives. And yet, in the Gospel of Luke, we have Jesus telling the disciples at least three times in very explicit ways, I will be killed and then will be raised. Then we have these other times in which Jesus alludes to that, whoever wants to be first shall be last, and whoever is last shall be first, uh, and uh, take up your cross and follow me. So we have this sense in which this has been abundantly clear through the Gospel of Luke and the disciples have not yet perhaps quite caught on. And so do they feel like they've been baited and switched? Come and I'll teach you to fish for people. And now, many chapters later, I'm so glad I could spend this Passover meal with you before I suffer, Jesus tells them. Wait, what? Suffering? And so I wonder if the disciples shared in this. Their their rabbi, their teacher, the one that they saw God's activity in, now is saying suffering and someone will betray him. And is it you? Is it you? Is it me? I don't know. And they question and they argue. And I wonder if at a certain point they're also thinking, does God even, even love us? If this is what happens to our rabbi... And faced with those experiences, Jesus shows us something of what it means to be truly human and to dig through those questions and fears and longings into the heart of God. But what he does is simple. He gathers them at table and he takes bread and he gives thanks to God of the harvest and he shares it. He takes the cup and he gives thanks to God of the vine and he shares it. And so we see that Jesus, who has just said, I'm so grateful I get to spend this time with you in this Passover before I suffer. He manages to hold together the reality of his suffering and the challenges of life and respond to them with, gratitude and thanksgiving. And perhaps this is exactly what it means for us to be human. When in the midst of being human, we also experience longing and fear and worry and brokenheartedness and suffering and pain.
that to be human and the way through those human experiences, the way through which we experience God in them and through them is connected to I give thanks. I am so grateful for you being here. These acts of simple gratitude. Because through gratitude, Jesus connects with God who is always the author of salvation and always the bringer of life and transformation. And through gratitude, then Jesus opens us uh, to God's presence so that we may have the courage and faith to experience God in the midst of all our human lives. And obviously when we read this text, we are reminded uh, that every first Sunday we do what he says to do in remembrance of me. We have communion. But when we do this, we recognize that Jesus instituted something which continues. uh, And so it's that as though we share in that one table experience or that we begin to share in all Jesus' table experiences. And so we gather together and we give thanks for all that God has been doing throughout our lives, uh, and it becomes this prayer of great thanksgiving, recalling God's history of salvation throughout Scripture and our lives, and specifically in Jesus. And then we call it communion because of what we do in it and what results from it. We commune with Jesus. Jesus invites to his table those who seek to, uh, to be connected with him, and he connects us with himself and with God, who is Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we say we commune with God. We're connected with God through what God does in Jesus at the table. But we also call it a sacrament, which is uh, to be connected with the idea of being made sacred or holy. And so that which we have set apart, which is another thing that sacred or holy means, the bread and the juice, becomes that ordinary thing through which God works to set us apart and make us holy as God is holy. And so God works in the midst of our meal that uh, we can be transformed. But we always remember at communion both Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. It's as though he is saying, I'm so glad you are here. I've longed to share this table meal with you before I suffer and when you suffer. For together we can be connected to God. And one of the oldest terms for what we do in this meal is a Greek word, uh, or from Greek, which is Eucharist. And it means thanksgiving. That's the very verb that Luke uses when uh, it says Jesus gives thanks. 
And so we recognize that this table is always a table of giving thanks for that which God does in our lives, the grand and glorious saving work and the normal and everyday encouragement and hope giving all rolled together. And so in our thanksgiving, God unites us with God's self, opens uh, the eyes of our hearts and minds that we may see God's activity at work and transforms us into that which God created us to most fully be. But it's not just that Jesus does all this in communion. It's that Jesus embodies it so that we may be fully human as he is fully human. And so our engagement sheets have uh, some ideas about how we might practice gratitude as a door through which God opens God's self to us and transforms us and connects us to God. And our weekly podcast, which we're doing in Lent, will also have some different ideas on how we might practice gratitude and experience God in the everydayness of our lives. But it's useful to hear that real people experience God in simple acts of gratitude. This, remember, we started with Ann Voskamp, the author who wrote A Thousand Gifts. Now, this book is chock full of scriptural reference and uh, references to Christian tradition in which we recognize that somehow gratitude becomes the means through which God works in our lives. Jesus takes bread and takes cup and says, thank you, and shares it. And so it is that our connection with God is intimately related with our abilities to say thank you to God who does God's good work in us. And so the book becomes a memoir of how she goes from where she was, this space of uh, assured that God doesn't love her and isn't enough, to a space of being assured of God's love and care, which she traveled to through the path of gratitude. She made pictures and blog posts, it's early 2000s, and uh, lists. And her friend once said, hey, you've changed. It's that list, isn't it? And Anne hadn't realized that God had been at work through this practice of uh, gratitude. God had been saving her had been transforming her and making her holy and connected with God. We see a similar thing happen with uh, a woman who's uh, in the video for our Thursday noon Bible study. We're using a devotional book, and there are some extras in the church office if you'd like them. But this woman named, oh golly, there we go, Shanna Goodwin, shared about her life and journey in a number of the videos that accompany our study. Shanna learned Lord's Prayer uh, while she was in prison, uh, serving a prison sentence. Uh, And so that's been some of her journey. And so she can relate uh, to this before I suffer language that Jesus uses. 
But when she was asked about her prayer practices, this is one of the things she says. God amazes me daily in my prayer life. I've written a kind of gratitude list, and I notice once I write my gratitude list that everything that I write down is just prayers. Or sometimes I uh, notice the simple things that I have prayed for and then I wrote down and then I come back later and look and see that they're true or that they've come true. For Shanna Goodwin, this practice of writing down her prayers and also writing her her, uh, gratitude list becomes this act of prayer through which God opens her eyes to God's acts in her life. We might just think of it uh, like some new age self-help thing. Be grateful. Uh, But it really does seem to be true in our lives and in Scripture and in our tradition that God works through our simple practices of gratitude to open our eyes and our hearts that we may see God and be encouraged to live faithfully and fully. And one final witness or testimony. I've had the joy and privilege of getting to know uh, some congregation members who said they could, I could share this story. So I don't know, like, every time you talk to me, I don't necessarily share it. I'll ask your permission first. But uh, I met Michelle and Scott, and in conversation, they almost in passing mentioned uh, gratitude. And because I've been prepping for this, it kind of piqued my interest. And I had coffee with them, and I asked, well, tell me more about this gratitude practice you have. And they talked about, they kind of smiled and were sheepish about it. And yet they are like, this is the most important thing we do in our faith and in our lives. Uh, So every day uh, it becomes a transition point in which they turn toward uh, sleeping. And one of them almost in a pillow talk sort of way will say, so what are you grateful for? And they then share in conversation the things that they're grateful for from big to small, for the ways in which I have a teal marker, or the ways in which they've appreciated each other, or the ways in which they've seen beauty and life in the midst of hard things. And so they share these acts of gratitude. Uh, And I asked them, well, how does that connect with this idea of God's grace or God's activity in your lives. And they said that it really is the way that they see that God is at work. This act of gratitude becomes the window through which Jesus reveals to them how Jesus is working in their lives. It becomes the foundation point through which they see that God is always and everywhere at work in their lives, and it becomes this uh, source through which they connect with God, and they intimately connect with one another on some spiritual level, and it's through which they then see God's making them holy. So could it be that what Jesus does at table, I'm so grateful that I'm here to share this meal with you before I suffer, and then his next response in the face of tragedy is, God, I give you thanks. Could it be that that becomes our pathway to get through whatever thing we're doing and experiencing now? That God, I give you thanks, becomes the way God gives us the courage, hope, and vision to trust God, 
to connect with God and to, by God's grace, be made holy for the sake of living fully with God in this life and the life to come. May it be so. Thank you for listening. We hope you have found the topics mentioned today to be thought-provoking and meaningful. For more information about our church, ministries, and upcoming events, check out our website at carneyfirstumc.org. If you'd like to join us on Sunday in person or on live stream, our traditional services are at 8.15 and 11 a.m. and our modern service is at 9.30 a.m. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, go in peace and may God bless you.